Good morning, Charlotte. My name is Bert Pepperdine. And I'm Tiffany O'Neill, bringing you great news on this great day. Welcome to Good Morning, Good News. Bears and worms are both nasty and scary, but in a gummy form, they're absolutely delicious. There's a beautiful portrait in your house that's worth a priceless amount of money. That picture is your mirror, and the lovely person is you. Oh, good news. Today is Easter Sunday. And much less good news, it's David Letterman and David Cassidy's birthday. Happy birthday, David. Life Alert, the one medical alert device, is teaming up with Grubhub. A simple click of the red button will alert medical personnel that you have fallen. The click of the Grubhub button on the reverse side will deliver a piping hot Little Caesars pizza to your front door. Pizza, pizza! That's good news. Chick-fil-A, America's favorite chicken sandwich fast food chain, will have an open drive-thru on Sundays. All of their restaurants will remain closed on the Lord's Day, but their drive-thrus will be available for people who would want to take leisurely rides without the burden of having to pay for food or stop at the window. Now there's a party going on right here. A dedication to last throughout the years. So bring your good times and your laughter too. We are gonna celebrate and party with you. Celebration. Let's all celebrate. And have a good time. The Hulk is going green. In Facebook news, Jessica Niemeyer, my nemesis in middle school who teased me because of my acne, has an ugly baby with a complexion guaranteed to be scrutinized during his teenage years. Congrats, Jessica and Nathan. My name is Tiffany O'Neill. And I'm Burt Pepperdine, a team committed to good news all the time. Have a great day. Good morning, welcome to First Charlotte Online. My name is Robert Welch and I'm lead pastor here at First Baptist Charlotte. We're so glad that you've joined us this Easter day. We are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the greatest victory of all time. We've got an incredible service planned for this morning and so glad you've joined us. If today is your first time to connect with us um, and view us, we would love to get to know you. Uh, here on the screen is a number and if you would text the word connect to that number, we'll mail you a gift this week. We'd love to get to know you, know how we can pray for you and we'd just love to connect. So do that for us this morning. Church family, we're so glad you've joined us as well. We've got a great time together and we're so grateful for how God is using us, using you, even though we're separated. Listen, the tomb is still empty and Jesus is still risen and that's what we're here to celebrate today. Welcome to church.
Well, you know, when you have uh, a person, you know, such as Marvette, that is such a devoted, spiritually given person, you know, it. You observe and you you learn, uh, you understand, and then when you couple that with uh, our good friends, the the Medlocks, who also have that very vibrant spirit within them, uh, it becomes somewhat infectious, and and it's something that I have been thinking and struggling with for for a while and trying to really understand you know, my path and where it wants to lead me and where I want to lead myself. And and then the uh, capstone to it all, um, uh, Pastor Welch, you yourself. Uh, when you reached out to me, you know, that I saw that as a sign that, you know, there's someone here to help navigate and walk that journey with you. and something that uh, I felt very proud and honored to um, to have your guidance in that you know um, I can even remember back when 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 Harold and them were doing the search uh, for a pastor and I was you know he would tell me about who they met and who they're looking at and so forth and uh, when they came upon you or you came upon them uh, I even felt something then not even had met you or knew about you but uh, just the way that he kind of described you uh, it seemed like a person that uh, that could you know be of significance not only to me but to uh, Charlotte as a whole <clears throat> so that that's the start that's kind of where it, you know it began and it just seems to have fallen in, in place from there I'm able to to understand struggles, challenges, and and really put my own struggles and challenges in life in in, in perspective, and and understanding that those challenges are part of a path that He has put in your life for you to to, to follow. Um, but recognizing that, you know, he's always going to bring you through those challenges and those struggles. And with that, he's gonna always provide things that will strengthen you, that will encourage you, that will, you know, make you happy. Uh, you know, I, I've always said that, my, you know, uh, I, I felt that I've received my spirit through Marvette, uh, I watch her and I, I, I see how she thinks and approaches things in life and whatnot. And you know, I always tell her that, you know, that I'm living through her spirit. And you know, you know, you know, don't forget to tell Jesus to look out for me. You know, but um, now being able to develop that relationship myself, and and you know, I used to always ask, you know, well, how does how does he speak to you? How does he communicate with you how does you know he show you that you know he's listening and, and guiding you and I think I shared with you that you know when I say my prayers that there's a certain part every time I say my prayers I yawn and you know I've come to, to, to believe that that's when he's acknowledging that uh, he hears me I feel a sense of freedom that I, I'm able to um, feel comfortable and and not you know being afraid to to reach out to him to uh, better understand and develop a, a, a way of communicating with them uh, that even little things that may seem to be a challenge I, I, I now look at them that this is not a this is not an issue this is not a problem this is not something that I need to be overly concerned with because I know I have someone that's going to always be with me and, and give me the ability to accept and work through those challenges.
I'm Rodney Monroe, and I've given my life to Christ, and today I will be baptized. Well, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ this morning, I cannot think of any better way to celebrate his resurrection than, than demonstrating what it does in a person's life. This is Rodney Monroe. He's trusted Christ and uh, stands here today before you to proclaim what Christ has done in him through believers' baptism. Rodney, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes, he is. Well, based on your public profession of faith and in obedience to Christ's command, it gives me great joy to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life.
The significance of Easter, frankly, is, is often overlooked and distorted. All too often, Easter Sunday is more of a, a coming out ritual, a part of the celebration of the beginning of spring than it is a celebration of the resurrection of our Lord. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was unique because of his deity. It was necessary to prove that Jesus Christ was exactly who he claimed to be. The resurrection of Christ is important because it is a necessary element of a saving faith. Well, we show our trust and faith by the decisions we make, don't we? We have to decide, is Jesus king? Is he on the throne of our lives? As we come to the time in our service when we give, I am overwhelmed by God's goodness and his faithfulness. Never have I ever seen before how we, First Baptist Charlotte, are positioned for a miracle. I thank God for the hundreds and hundreds of you who give faithfully and generously. There are several ways to give this week. You can, you can give online at charlottefbc.org. You can text any amount to 84321, or you can simply mail in a check to the address on the screen. Friends, we know the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is our privilege to share the good news. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you so much for this amazing morning you've given to us. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to celebrate the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, as we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of your Son, we thank you, Father, what that means to us as believers, that if we place our faith and our trust in you, we get to spend eternity in heaven. Father, this morning as we bring our gifts before you, I pray, God, that you will multiply these gifts. I pray that you will use them to further your kingdom. Lord, the need is great. The financial need is great. Lord, we count it a privilege to be able to bring our gifts to you this morning. We love you, Father. We thank you for your faithfulness to our church. In your son's name we pray, amen. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. 천사가 여자들에게 이렇게 말하였다. 두려워 말하라. 너희가 십자가에 못 박히신 예수님을 찾고 있는 모양인데. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lies. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. 
See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greeting! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. 여자들이 떠난 뒤 경계병 중몇 사람들이 시내에 들어가 대제사장들에게 일어난 일을 다 보고하였다. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell the people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, then we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Y, pues, y hacer discípulos de todas las naciones, bautizándolos en el nombre del Padre, del Hijo, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God so loved the whole wide world, sent his only son to die for me, his arms Happy Easter. I'm so glad that you've joined us for worship this morning on this incredible Easter day. Hope it's been a good day so far for you that you've got some cool family plans or plans wherever you are this morning. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, we are so grateful that you've joined us for worship today uh, online. Uh, you're our guest and, and we're just so grateful and uh, appreciative of the moment that we get to spend with you. To our First Baptist family, I just want to say we love you. We miss you. Um, and, and if you're watching with us, First Family, go ahead uh, and give us a like right now. If you're watching on Facebook or if you're online with us uh, through our website, go ahead and give us a like. Let us know you're there so that we can feel your presence uh, today as we worship as a church family. I want to draw your attention this morning to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24. Take your Bibles, if you would, and pick up with me in verse 1 of Luke chapter 24 as he awakes us on that incredible morning, that Sunday morning, that Easter morning. Uh, where something drastic and dramatic had happened. Luke writes this in chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Uh, while, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, they were frightened, bowed their faces to the ground. And the mid said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? So we've invented a new game in our family over the past several weeks. Um, it's a game that we, we kind of look forward to every week. It's a lot of fun every week. And um, the game is called grocery shopping. All of a sudden... Over the past month, grocery shopping has become this crazy 
thing to do together. Um, and, 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 and we've developed kind of a game with grocery shopping right now. Um, and so here's how the game works for us. It begins online. Uh, we order our groceries online, uh, whether it be through Harris Teeter or through Walmart or through Target. We, we place an online order and put everything that we desire, that we wish, that we think through of our grocery list that week. The order is placed. A pickup time is scheduled. And uh, one of us, usually Kyla, goes and picks up the groceries. She comes home, and this is when the game begins. We unpack all the groceries. All the kids come out. We all grab the groceries. We bring them in. And the game begins when you begin to open the plastic bags that they've given you, and you begin to go through it. And the game is, what did we not get? What did they not fill in our grocery order? And every week there's something, and there's usually a lot of things that we ordered, but when they went to fill the grocery order, they didn't have those items. You, you've understood that. Over the past several weeks, you go to the grocery store looking for something, you cannot find it. And so you go on this scavenger hunt almost. You go on this adventure looking for groceries. And so typically the grocery list, it's, it's become a little bit predictable, this game has, about what we don't have. Every now and then um, it, there's something in there that kind of surprises us that they don't have. But typically it's toilet paper, it's different kinds of meats, and fresh vegetables of some kinds. And so what happens after this, once we assess what we didn't get, we begin this adventure of seeking and searching um, for the groceries that we didn't get. And so there's kind of a route that we take on our central trip, a route that we take to several different grocery stores to check them and see if they have these items or possibly other items that we would want in the future that we, we, we didn't see before. And so we'll go to these stores. We'll, we always check the toilet paper aisle. Uh, and then we go check the meats. And, and then we go check the vegetables and we, we, we gather those things. If they don't have it, then you go to the next store and you look for the next thing and see if they have it. If they don't have it, then, and then the game really revs up later in the week. So after all of these short, uh, stored shopping trips that we've done, there's still usually items that aren't not uh, there. So on our other essential trips, uh, we, we have a competition uh, who will find the item. And so as we either make it to here in Uptown uh, to come in and film sermons and services and sermons and different things like that. Uh, I'll stop by several grocery stores, Food Lion and Publix and Harris Teeters to see if they have the items. Well, the other day, one of the items that we're struggling the most with not finding is beef. I mean, you just go to the grocery store and it's almost like they never have beef. Well, the other day I decided I'd stop by a Harris Teeter and would see if they had some beef. And so I went in and would you believe it at this time when I was in there, the meat man was out unloading boxes onto the rack. Man, I got so excited. I mean, it was like Christmas morning that day. I, I, I waited patiently to see what he was unloading because there's steaks, there's some pork, and then he got to the ground beef section. Well, this is like gold for me. And he began putting some things out. He had several boxes and he began putting some things out. And without looking, without thinking, as soon as he walked away, I began grabbing these different ground beefs. I'm now, I wasn't hoarding just grabbing about three, four pounds, just three or four packages, enough for us to maybe last for a week or two um, as a family. Got home and I was like, you will not get, get, guess what I got. And I pulled out this ground beef and, and Kyla looked at it and she said, that's not ground beef. I said, yes, it is. It was in the, it was in the meat section. Well, what I had picked up, the only thing that they had offered that, that appeared to be ground beef was this thing called Beyond Meat. And it says specifically beyond beef. My thought in it was that it's so incredibly good that it's beyond the incredible flavor that beef is. And so I was like, this is gonna be the best beef. I mean, it wasn't cheap. This was a lot more expensive than regular beef. So I thought, this isn't just beef. This is like the best beef. This is prime beef. We are gonna eat good over these next couple of weeks together. She goes, Robert, that's not beef at all. Google it. So I got on Google, I looked it up, and sure enough, I didn't see the part that says plant-based ground. I'm not really sure what's in this, but if there's any cow in it, it's very little. I mean, it looks like beef, it feels like beef. You mix it up, and I had made tacos and, um, that evening, and I put it together, and it looked perfect. It looked just like beef. And you know, this may be your thing. Beyond beef may be your thing, but what this is, is a, it's basically a plant-based beef product. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mimic of a beef product. And so you may like that, you may love it, and I'm not in any way knocking that, but 
I mean, I just really don't care for something that looks like meat, but takes like cardboard and ryegrass and dry corn stalks put together. And this was some of the most awful stuff that I've ever had, completely disappointed um, in that. But this seek and find thing that we do uh, for groceries is, is an adventure. But you know, it's really also part of our life. We're all in a journey. We're all in a pursuit to seek and find something. We're all looking for and searching for happiness, peace, life. We want a good life. We want a healthy life. We want a whole life. We're seeking friendship. We're seeking success. We're seeking good experiences. We're seeking peace in life. We're seeking joy. We're seeking satisfaction. We all want to live a meaningful life. We're looking for those things. We desire those things. I mean, all of us have that in common. We desire a good life. We desire a happy life. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think God made us and created us to want that. And ultimately, I think God wants us to have a good, strong, satisfying life. In fact, Jesus even said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. But the problem is, is that many of us are on a journey, an adventure, looking for life in all the wrong places. Just like Johnny Lee said, looking for love in all of the wrong places, many of us are looking for life in all the wrong places. We're looking for that satisfaction and that joy and that peace in places like success or in relationship. We're looking for it in the perfect spouse or our perfect friends or experiences that we'd have. We're looking for great experiences that will give us happiness and give us satisfaction and give us joy. Or we're looking for it in, in bucket lists that if I can just accomplish these things, if I can just attain this, then, then I'll, I'll have the life that I'm looking for. I'll have what I'm seeking and searching. It'll satisfy me inwardly. We're, we're searching for that position and that if we can get this position, if we can get this title, if we can climb this ladder to this place and point, we're seeking approval. And we think, some of us think that if we can have this approval, if everyone is pleased, then, then we'll be satisfied and we'll have that happy. Or, or we find that in money, that if we could just have this income or, or have this uh, retirement plan put together this way. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Is that all of these things that we look for happiness and look for joy and look for life in, are no different than the tomb these women went to that morning. They don't have life. They're a deception. They take you captive. The pursuit of life in these dark tombs eventually take you to dark places, places that are ugly and addicting and even painful. The question that the angels asked these women that morning is so relevant to our lives today. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Listen closely to the, to the next few words of the angels. Because what they say next explains to us the life that Jesus and only Jesus can bring. Only a risen Jesus can bring you the life you're looking for. Why do you seek the living among the dead? In verse 6, they move on from that question that they don't expect these women to answer, and they begin to explain some things that are very, very important for you and I to understand and for these women to understand that morning. They say this, he is not here, he is risen. Listen, in the risen Jesus, the dead are made alive. He's not here, he's risen. Now these women went to that tomb that day, grieving. Friday, Jesus had died. Their friend had been murdered. It was gruesome, it was awful, it was humiliating, and it was real. These women went to the tomb as loyal and grieving friends of Jesus. They went that morning to prepare his body and to do him due honor and respect by preparing his body. 
They went as many of us have gone to a funeral to pay respects to the dead, to weep and to mourn, to, to think back and to grieve together. But the tomb they came to where they expected to find the dead, decaying body of their friend and to pay respect to their dead friend was empty. They were looking for the dead among the dead, but they found it empty because he was not dead. Which is the reason that Christ needs to be taken seriously. So many people look at Jesus as if he was simply just a, a helpful person or a good man or a religious figure or, or, or a person that, that taught wonderful social things about how to love and how to be kind and how to forgive and how to, how to help the poor and how to care for our neighbors and how to love other people. They, they look at Jesus for, for these sort of things. But if that's what you're looking for, and if that's all you're looking for in Jesus, you're looking for the wrong thing. Because you must consider him. Yes, he is all of those things, and yes, he did teach all of those things. But the primary person of who he is, is that he is a risen king. You must not consider him less than that. Because he rose from the dead, and in rising from the dead, his death brings life. Jesus is in the business of all of these other things, yes, all of these other social aspects, all of these other helpful things, but he's in the primary business of making dead things alive. His victory is our victory. His life is life for us. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter, three, chapter 1, verse 3, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He is alive, and Christ's life means life for us. He gives us that life. The resurrection is the way for peace and hope and joy, freedom, happiness, satisfaction, and life. You are not going to find it anywhere else. It can only be found in the living Jesus. In the risen Jesus, the dead are made alive. Why do you seek the living among the dead? And so they go on with their explanation. He's, he's not here, verse 6, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still at Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. These angels draw these women's attention to something Jesus had said. And the reason that is significant, because in the risen Jesus, the word of God is made alive. What these men are referring to is a number of things, a number of times that Jesus said similar statements. But likely, according to Luke's count, they're drawing their attention back to something Jesus might have said or did say in chapter 9. In chapter 9, Jesus, um, in an experience with his disciples and others there, tells us this in verse 21. He strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one. And that is that he was the Christ. In verse 22, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day, be raised. All of a sudden, the words that Jesus spoke became true. For these women, they had meaning. They were alive. They were real. 
That's what the resurrection of Christ does for you and I. The word of God is alive and real to us. Jesus' resurrection applies God's promises and every word God has spoken to you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. But this is where many of us lose sight. This is where many of us forget. This is where many of us find ourselves in the same place this, these women were. We begin looking for the living among the dead. We forget. We get busy. We, we get out of alignment. We get sick. We, we, we get distracted. We face tragedy. We become so clouded and filled by the, the happenings and the emotions and, and the feelings and the circumstances that we're surrounded in that we forget the life and the truth of God's promises and God's word applied to us. We worry. And then we try to find help. We try to find our way out. We begin looking for the living among the dead. And so we turn to pills or people or acceptance or opportunities or answers from others. We turn to advice or counsel, songs. We turn to the bottle. We turn to the pipe. And it gets darker and darker as we go through this search and this longing, get caught up in trying to find hope and trying to find answers and trying to find peace looking for the living among the dead. But can I turn the light upon for you this today? Can I, if I could just for a moment, take a two by four and hit us upside the head? The resurrection of Christ, the risen Savior, means that no matter what the circumstances are and no matter what you cannot see, the word of God is faithful. The resurrection proves that God is faithful to his word. It opens the door for the promises of God and makes them available to us. All of God's promises through the resurrected Jesus are now applied to our lives every day. It means that God has already given us victory that there is power in the blood of Jesus. It means that Satan has been defeated by Christ. It means that God has caused all of your enemies to perish. It means healing. It casts out every fear. It means full forgiveness in Jesus' names. It means that you have God's favor. It means that God's guidance is for you. It means that security and safety and salvation is for you. It means that you can have the joy of the Lord. It means that God will hear every prayer and answer our cries. It means the strength of the Lord is in us. It gives us the boldness of Christ. It gives us the peace of God. It means that Christ has set us free from all of our sins and iniquities. It gives us hope because our future is secure. It means that we can seek and find the Lord and it proves that God is just and acts justly. The risen Savior, the risen Jesus, brings God's word alive to you. Now, I am notorious, notorious for breaking promises. If I tell you I promise, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but you probably don't need to take that too seriously. But don't blame me. That's kind of the way I was raised. I, I grew up and I experienced a lot of people in my life breaking their promises. And so as a result, that's, that's kind of a habitual thing of my life. And in fact, uh, since then, and since I've been an adult, I've experienced a lot of people who've also broken promises. So to the point that at this point in my life, if you tell me, I promise, that's almost like saying the opposite of what you may mean. When a person says, I promise, I've gotten so skeptical about what that means is that basically you're saying that your word is not good enough and there's a likelihood that you won't do that, but to assure me that you're gonna try and that you really want me to believe you, you add the addendum, you add the statement, I promise. And all I'm doing now is just waiting for you to break that promise. You say, Robert, you are, you are so pessimistic and negative. Well, then stop breaking your promises and I, I won't be so pessimistic. I mean, but I'm guilty of that too. In fact, uh, my, my 
my second son, Hayden, has picked up on this very well. And so he asked me to do something. I said, Hayden, I promise we'll do that. And he goes, oh, you always say that. Yeah, but I, I do get, get used to it. We are notorious for breaking promises because we don't have the ability to keep our promises, some of those that we make. We don't have the intention to keep some promises that we make. Uh, we forget. We're imperfect. We don't have power. We have a brokenness in us that, that enables us, that forces us to break promises. I want you to understand something. Jesus is not like you or me. He keeps his promises. And the resurrection of Jesus proves the faithfulness of God to his word. And that word and those promises through the risen Jesus are available to you. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's risen. Remember what he told you would happen. And there's one other thing we see in this passage, this story. That in the risen Jesus, the plan of God is alive. These women were shaken by recent events. All the disciples were shaken by the happenings of the last three days. Ironically, the so-called current events had locked them down and had locked them in the past and they were unaware of the future. Doesn't that seem somewhat like where we are right now, that the current events of our life that dictate and determine what we do, how we shop, how we go about, what the future is, what our income is, all of the circumstances that we're in right now and all the things that happen have really locked us down. And it's really hard to see to the future. And so oftentimes we're thinking more of the now and of the past. All that these women and the disciples at this point can see is the actions of men. But in the midst of that, what these angels are drawing these women's attention to is that they are so focused on the actions of the circumstances and the actions of men. And that's put them in danger of missing the action of God. We can be like that too. We, we, we all see what's happened lately. We start saying to God, what have you done for me lately? Where are you? We get lost in the bad news of today that we don't see the good news that God is bringing through that. And so it comes back to the question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? It's a question. That question is a question that reorients us from the current events to something greater that God is doing, his providence and his plan. Notice what these angels say in verse 7. That the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. When the angels explain what they mean by their question, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? And don't you remember what Jesus said? There, there is one little word in their statement here in verse 7 that tips us off to the importance of recognizing God's plan alive. Did you see the word must in verse 7? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. Every other verb in this, every other word in this is a passive verb. These are things that men are doing to Jesus. They are taking him. Jesus is delivered to them. He is crucified. These are not actions that Jesus did himself. These are things that were done to him. But that word must shows us who is really in control 
of this scenario and situation. It tells us that someone else is acting through, behind, and above the sinful men that took their friend, put him on a cross, crucified him, pulled him down, and put him in a tomb. That God is at work. That the invisible hand of God is bringing about things that must happen according to his plan. The resurrection above all other events reminds us to look for God's hand in history and in our lives. The resurrection and this question that these disciples, these angels bring up shows us the invisible hand of God moving in and through and beyond mere current events. The resurrection frees us from being stuck in the sorrowful recounting of current events and it frees us and it frees these women to look to God's greater plan and purpose for our lives. History and life is not a blind, aimless march into nothingness and meaningless. Your life and my life and all of our lives put together in the story of human history are the recorded orchestration of God working his redemption through the cross and the resurrection of our Lord. Behind the curtain of it all is the man. God behind it all. In no way did the crucifixion of Christ thwart and absurd and derail God's plan. It was all part of it. So that through this man, Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, we see God's plan made alive. You and I need to understand that. You need to pay attention to this very closely, that the current events of our lives are, in fact, going somewhere. I don't know where you are today. And I don't know what brought you to watch this service and join us this morning. I don't know what's happening in your life, but I want you to know this and understand God is up to something in your life. That his hand is working in it. And that hand, through the circumstances of your life and the situation of your life, is all bringing you to recognize and understand the life that there is in Jesus. That in him is the life you are searching for. That's what the greatest event in human history does. It gives us life. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? A number of years ago, there was a missionary in Brazil who had discovered a remote and... Um, unknown tribe of Indians in a remote part of the Brazilian jungle. They lived near a large river. The tribe was, when he found them, in need of medical attention because there was a very contagious disease that was ravaging the population and people were dying daily. The crazy thing about this is that there was a hospital, a clinic not too far away that had medicine that would help these people. It was just on the other side of the river, not far away. And so the missionary communicated this to the Indians that I see that you're sick and I see what you're facing, but just across the river is a place that I can get you help. And if you'll come with me, I'll take you there. But the Indians refused. And what, they, what the missionary discovered is that they were fearful of the river because they believed that the evil spirits of the river would kill them if they crossed the river. Well, the Indian, obviously, the missionary obviously did not believe this, and so he tried to convince them. He told them, hey, listen, I crossed the river to get here. I walked across the river, swam across the river to get here. It didn't kill me. I'm fine. They weren't buying it, though. And so he went up to the edge of the river. He put his hand down. He scooped water up, and it didn't matter. He stepped in the river with his shoes and feet. It didn't matter. So he went down to his waist in front of all of these Indians, the, the tribal leaders, and he began splashing water up and he said, see, nothing, nothing's wrong. It didn't matter. 
So he submerged himself and he swam across the river. And when he came up on the other side, he stood up and he raised his hand in victory. I did it. See, I'm alive. And the Indians all began cheering. They had never seen anyone ever do anything like that. And they cheered and they followed him across the river. Isn't that so similar to what Jesus did for us? He dove through the great and mighty river of sin and death. And he conquered that mighty river so that we could conquer it as well and have life. He died, rose again, so that we can have that resurrected life. You don't have to seek the living among the dead. You find it in the living one. Because only a risen Jesus can bring the life you are looking for. I wasn't there when Jesus died. And for that matter, I wasn't there to see him rise. But I was there when he saved me. And he took what was dead in me and he gave me life and made me alive. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Only in the risen Jesus will you find the life you are looking for. You know, the question that the angels ask those women that morning is a question that I think all of us have to think about and have to answer ourselves. Why do we seek the living among the dead? We're all looking in the wrong places for something that only Jesus Christ can give. And I wonder if all of your life, God's brought you to this moment, to this time, to find Jesus Christ as what you're looking for. If you seek him, you'll find him. And this morning, Jesus Christ can be found. He is ready to save you. He's ready to give you life and forgiveness, hope and a future, eternal life, if you'll trust in him. Are you ready to do that this morning? Are you ready to do that right now? If you are, I wanna ask you to do something. Here on the screen is a number. Would you just text the word Jesus to that number? That number is gonna go to some of our ministry team who are available and standing by right now. And if you'll text that, one of them will contact you immediately, pray with you, talk with you. We would love to visit with you and nail down this relationship with Jesus so that you can walk away knowing you know him. Do it right now. Don't hesitate. Don't miss this opportunity to meet the living Jesus. It has been so great worshiping with you. This has been a different Easter, but gosh, the truth of what it's all about is Jesus is risen. And I hope you've experienced a taste of the victory that we have in his resurrection this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the risen Jesus, the hope that he is to us, the life that he is to us, and the future that he is to us. May we lean upon him, trust in him. Lord, I also pray for those right now who are grappling with that question of seeking Jesus and knowing him. Would you draw them to yourself today? Would you save them today? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning and happy Easter. My name is Noah, and here are some of our upcoming FBC events. Parents of school-aged and preschool kids, at 1140 today, we have 301 Kids Worship live on our 301 Kids Worship page and our website live stream. It's about 15 minutes long, and our kids' teams will be leading a time of worship and a Bible lesson. There's also going to be some fun activities, so you're not going to want to miss out on all of this fun. Your kids are going to love it. 
while you get lunch ready and prepared, they're going to get to enjoy this great time. And it's going to be available for viewing at other times just in case you miss it this morning. Through our partnership with our Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, we've been asked to help with some meal distribution to school-aged children beginning Monday, April 13th. CMS is doing an incredible job. It's an, an incredible job of feeding our children who are regularly on the free lunch program, but they need help with distribution. So we need two people each day, Monday through Friday at two different locations. And of course, there's gonna be extreme safety precautions being taken as we serve. Much more information is on our website. And if you're interested in signing up, you can do so online or simply call our church office. One of our mission partners, Beds for Kids, is distributing new mattresses, box springs, and bed frames, along with new linens to families in Charlotte. We want to join in at this crucial time to help provide full and queen-size new sheet sets, blankets, and pillows. Our twin bedding needs have already been met, and we're so thankful for that. Donations may be dropped off at the office entrance in the back on Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 4.45 p.m., or you can order online and have them sent straight to FBC in your shipping. We're so thankful for your help. Every spring we support and rally around the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, which provides support for more than 5,000 Southern Baptist missionaries planting new churches in underchurched parts of North America. Our church goal is $17,500 and we're nearly halfway there. So if you'd like to give, you can go to charlottefbc.org national. Now's the time to lean into what God is doing through your church. Our city needs the ministry of FBC now more than ever. So please, will you continue to give? There's many different ways that you can do this. And this is a time to press in, not to pull back. You can use the online giving button on our church website. You can sign up for the direct pay from your bank. You can text any amount to 84321 or you can mail your check to P.O. Box 31046, Charlotte 28231. To help navigate our new normal, when you visit our website, you'll see a banner at the top that accesses our new resource page. There you'll find all of our online activities for worship, serving, community groups, Bible study, kids, and student ministries. For details on these events and so much more, check us out on social media at First Baptist CLT or our website for all the latest here at FBC. We're so thankful that you tuned in today and I hope that you received a great word from Pastor Robert today that God planted inside of him. I hope that you leave today with the simple message that Jesus Christ is risen. He lives in me and he lives in you and we have a reason to rejoice today.